I didn't realize this was controversial, but it, Congress passed something that people should all have liked, but it didn't really happen that way. So are you familiar with uh, HR 69? Nice in parentheses. <laughs> nice. Um, is that the, the daylight savings thing? Yeah, I will give you without Googling. Well, you never accept my Square Cash uh, payments when I when you win a bet, but... Yeah, there's something wrong with my Square Cash account. I can't figure out. All right, well, I still got credit for sending it, but uh, if you can guess in two guesses what the bill title is, uh, it, you get something. It, isn't it just make daylight savings permanent? No. Again, you got to you got to congressionalify it. Um, is it saving daylight savings? No. Nope. Is that closer? No. Dang. So again, you have, to, you have to think. It's it's the United States Congress, so it's called the Sunshine Protection Act of 2021. Of tw- of 2021. Uh, this was inter. Wait. Oh, was it introduced? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, introduced in the House in January 4th, 2021. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I I guess I've always. So my my opinion has has changed on this a couple of times in the past, but the pandemic kind of shifted things a little bit. So I guess I guess I want to know. So we're currently in what's called daylight time versus standard time. That's kind of the whole PDT versus PST thing. So what is your preference? Not 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 whether one should be permanent or not, but like which one do you prefer? My strong preference is daylight savings. The the time that we're the in the current now. one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Again, there, I won't I won't accept any other answer. Like, why would you not want more time in the evenings? Like, right. I, I feel right. like, and again, this may be my, my anti-child bias showing, but I don't care if kids go to, go to, go to school in the dark. Like, that's, that's fine. Like, I, I had zero period. I had to go stand in the bus in the, like, pitch black mornings uh, to get to school at 6.50 a.m. Like, kids can deal with it. That's what, that's what makes them tougher. You know, like uphill in the snow both ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But like, I want to be able to go in the summer, go for a hike and like leave my house at 630 and be able to get like a solid 10 miles in because the sun doesn't set until like 845. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, not, not to be too dramatic about it, but I think my least favorite day of the year is that first Monday after we go back to standard time. The sun sets at like 445. It's the worst. It is. Yeah, absolute worst. What's what's the what's the term for? There's the equinox and the other one. Sure. The thing the thing where there's the shortest and longest days. Yeah. Right. Oh, the solstice and the equinox. There you go. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't understand why this is controversial. Like, it's the thing of like where the people always think it's because the farmers want it or whatever. But that's apparently not actually the case. It was allegedly an energy saving measure, and it's been tried a couple of times, and it got made permanent ish in the nineteen sixties. But uh, anyway, yeah, the Sunshine Protection Act of twenty twenty one. I mostly just want to talk about it because one, it's HR sixty nine, and also it's nice. that's just the 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 dumbest name. But like, because <laughs> it's like the thing of. Like, you're familiar with the term backronym? Backronym, no. It's when you think of an acronym first, like like the CARES Act, and you, you then you find a way to make the bill be what it is. Like, you just have, like, a bunch of, you have Nancy Pelosi and, and Dick Durbin and a whole bunch of people, like, in a room together, and they're all trying to figure, I don't even know if they're in the same legislative body, so don't, don't, don't send an email. I, I 
it's it's fine. Isn't, isn't Dur- Durbin's a senator, isn't he? Yeah, he's the, I, he's the head of the Judiciary Committee. I I know I shouldn't I, I should have known that because of the uh, Jackson Brown hearings. Um, right. But um, yeah, the thing where they they choose what they want the acronym to be first, and then they make up the thing afterwards a backronym. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Backronym. All right, and then. Uh, actually, the other one I'll save for a better week. Let's let's make let's make this a quick one. So let's uh, jump right into follow up. What do we have this week? Uh, well, there's all the reviews from the Apple Studio and Apple Studio Display. Is there anything of note there for you? Are you joking? Why would I be joking? <laughs> So, so we 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 missed out, and we even though our show was three weeks delayed, we missed the review embargo. So we talked about a bunch of stuff, and then the very next day, all the reviews came out. Mm-hmm. So all of our actually, I think my opinions hold up on the studio display, and I do <laughs> think I had effectively argued slash lobbied hard enough where you eventually kind of came around to my side. But so let's 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 separate this into two things. So the uh, the Mac Studio got reviewed. I do think the Verge's reviews on both products and as well as the kind of jumbo-sized 20-minute video review they did was actually very, very, very good. Um, So the Mac Studio got kind of universal acclaim across all the reviews. The sticking points I think many people had was that the Apple has become very big into the Bezos chart thing in their um, presentations where they will, like, they just don't have axes appropriately labeled or their comparisons will be in very, very small print. And they will, as was evidenced by the graphics comparison of the M1 Max and Ultra versus what's what's the, the hot video card that everybody likes or that's very in demand the, on the PC side? The, the 3080? Something like that. Yeah, like they had a they had a chart where like showing the like the performance per watt thing, but um in Marquise Brownlee's uh, review on YouTube, he had a thing where they actually made like a truer one. Like Apple truncated what the performance of the 3090 was if you don't limit like its power. Like Apple Apple only specified a range like at which their like built-in system on a chip card operates, which all the reviews cited that, yeah, the, the M1 Ultra is not anywhere near a competitor for the top end nvidia chips i mean and, and, and granted the nvidia chips use way 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 more energy but that apple's charts were very misleading and that the verge specifically cited that yeah that nvidia cards mopped the floor with the any variant of the m1 it, yeah that this is a total sidebar so we don't have to, to go fully down this road but i think it actually might have been you who was sending me some it was some Lightroom, um, yeah, like speed tests or something. Mm-hmm. And the the thirty ninety came out, you know, way ahead of basically everything else. And it it dawned on me, I I, I have a thirty ninety, like I would have to run Lightroom and Windows. Well, no, which so, I don't so, know how big of a problem that would be. So a couple of things with that one. So let me uh, find a link for you. So this was a. I don't know if this was BNH or or not BNH. What's the other one? Uh, um, uh, there's a digital photography dpreview.com, but the one I'm thinking of was um, 
Heta Pixel, which is generally a very bad site, but this was actually a decent review. So there's a few things here. So there's two main apps that professional or advanced amateur photographers will use. There's uh, Adobe Lightroom Classic, and then there is uh, Capture One by Phase One. And the things I had cited, and this will kind of dovetail into the my, my decisions on what I ultimately did about the Mac Studio. Mm. So Lightroom is not a terribly GPU-oriented application. So it has been updated to support Apple Silicon processors directly. And a lot of what Lightroom can do, like let's say you are importing photos, you're building one-to-one full resolution previews, you're exporting a bunch of photos, or you're doing actions that apply to multiple things. Uh, Lightroom Classic is very, very good at parallelizing that type of uh, operation. So with that one, like the debate of getting an M1 Max versus an M1 Ultra, like let's say I come back from like taking a bunch of photos and I've got 600 photos to import with my, what is what is this iMac? It's got a eight core i7. With this one, like it would be dramatically faster just because an M1 Ultra can literally just do the same action. Like it would be able to work on 20 photos at once instead of eight or four or what have you. So that actually does scale up proportionate to the number of cores that you have. So that was like, that was the other theme of many reviews, which was that is the M one ultra worth it. And it kind of depends on what you're doing. Cause like if you single core performance between the two processors is exactly the same. So if you're not doing something that can break tasks up into using all the cores you're absolutely not going to have a computer that's two times faster but if you do do things that do that then yes literally it is twice as fast so that's where yeah the petapixel review has a lot of charts that kind of illustrate that so the lightroom stuff does speak to the cpu power but capture one is an application that is uh, making use of the GPU more. And that is something where if you have like a, a Windows-based PC with an insane power-hungry graphics card, that would actually perform better. Mm. Got it. But yeah, so the reviews were good for the Mac Studio. So again, the Verge video review was very good because they basically just gave like hands-on time to various people on like their creative team like so somebody who does like 3d effects somebody who does video editing in premiere somebody who does audio editing in logic and pro tools and just kind of explain how it fits into the workflow and kind of was it faster or better and there were a lot of varying viewpoints and ultimately the answer was for most people yeah this is this is way better so i think that's kind of it for the computer well because is it i mean so the computer i mean i think as i said last week i mean it 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 looks awesome right but i don't know i guess guess it does not look awesome (laughs) it's fair um it's kind of a pontiac it's it's like the the uh the walter white car like it's it's not actually a very pretty computer um but but i do think like another big headline for that computer has to be it's it's really only for a very small percentage of people like yeah. any any sort of like e- even someone like maybe totally someone like me, even the the base model would be pretty lost on me. Well, I so think. here here's the problem. Like the if the 24 inch iMac came with an M1 Max, I think that statement is true. 
like right now the uh, or the, even an M1 Pro. Yeah, like it's just that that iMac is, and I don't want to say underpowered because like that one is a is a solid process. Like it could be a lot better. So as it stands now, the Mac Studio actually does apply to way more people than I think it ultimately will, just because the MacBook Air and the iMac 24-inch are, relatively speaking, kind of slow and underpowered, just because isn't isn't it impossible to get the 24-inch iMac with more than 16 gigs of RAM? Okay, that's what the M1 is capped at, yeah. Yeah, like that's just too little. Like I don't, I don't think you would ever like. Let's say you somehow came to uh, like, came to the conclusion that you need a desktop or you want like just a computer that's always there. Like you want that kitchen iMac that apparently Apple thinks people are buying. Um, it like they, they, they when they do their fake house or they're doing their product reviews or their pro, like their little like intro videos, they always have an iMac in the kitchen, and I just don't know who that's for. That that would get promptly vetoed in this household. Well, and it would also get like flour and like dishwasher or like dish soap on it. Like, I don't know. It's just like, it's not, that's not, oh, the kitchen is not a safe space for electronics. No. But yeah, like the, I, 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 you are right where I think in a year and a half, the Mac Studio is going to be kind of for a very small number of people. But currently I do, like, I do think the, like the MacBook Air and the iMac are too underpowered where it actually might push somebody to this who might not otherwise i mean that this the sweet spot for a ton of people including myself would would probably be a mac mini with an m2 pro would be my guess because i mean like assuming that all the kind of um, logical rumors about the m2 are correct where it you know supports slightly more ram etc etc so if there's a you know m2 pro-ish chip in a mac mini that that kind of seems like the go-to computer for most well but how much would it cost how much does the current mac mini cost with that really slow m1 i think it starts at like 699 oh god they still sell an intel one (laughs) well and i think it's i think well i think the story there is is because there's a there's probably a you know Mac Colo something kind of mm-hmm. need for it slash, but the six ninety nine one comes with eight gigs of RAM. Yeah, so I mean you'd probably be okay. So we spec it up to a half terabyte and sixteen gigs of RAM. That computer's eleven hundred dollars. Like I, I I think the Mac Studio entry level one is actually not that bad a deal. Oh, I'm no, I'm not even. I guess really getting so much into the the economics of it. It's more just about. I feel like for ninety five percent plus of computer users, the 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 power that it provides would just you know largely be lost on. Well, but I I think anybody who's looking for that type of computer would just buy an iMac. Like, cause I guess, like, what is the display situation with this? Well, we'll, yeah, we'll get a, to but that. 20, but I mean, but a twenty four inch screen is just. Too big or too small? Objectively too small. No. For somebody who's buying a Mac Mini, I don't think they care. Mm. I think 24 inches. Like, what, what's, what's, like, weren't we talking about Dell displays or something last week? What, what, what size screen do you have on your desk? 27. Yeah, I don't think those three inches matter that much. I don't know. Nah, they, they do, though, because I, I had a 24 inch in here before. And granted, I mean, that was also a, 
not a 4K display. It was whatever the other 1440p or whatever that kind of mm-hmm. in between 1080 and 4K resolution is. And um, I, I find it to be a pretty big difference, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I take your point. But I think that is kind of maybe one of the reasons they leaned heavily on like the studio environment because like I mean yeah that flexibility does matter to me and I want a quiet fast computer and I'm and I'm very willing to pay for it. Although also as extensively covered in the show last week, most people should just buy a MacBook Pro and call it a day. But we'll we get to that. To, we don't need to legislate that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Mm. Um. Yeah. So anyway, the reviews of the computer, very, very positive. Um, I was very pleased to hear that, like, even under, like, extreme load, like, you, the fans almost never come on. Somebody actually had one of those, like, teardown videos. Like, the computer is absolutely not designed to be opened under any, under any circumstances. But, yeah, like, the cooling and, like, heats, like, you're a PC guy, like, you know more about this than me, but, like, the cooling system and heat pipes and heats in like all of that is just it's massive yeah i don't think i don't did i ever actually even show you the windows pc i built for my flight simulator setup i don't think i don't think you did but if you can make sure it's not powered on so that i don't see the leds i would love to see it you you would yeah you would you would chuckle a bit seeing the um the cooling system in there does the ram have leds on it it does yeah (laughs) um i don't think i ever told you this or mentioned this on the show either this actually doesn't have anything to do with um but well it kind of has something to do with the cooling in the sense that cooling is a big part of what makes the the 3090 that i have so heavy so that that mm-hmm. card is is so heavy like you, you can picture you know a, a pc motherboard how it you know it sits vertically along one of the walls of the case and then you've got all your you know pci express slots that stuff like video cards plug into right so you know, the, the, the video card kind of plugs in, you know, perpendicular to the motherboard. Mm-hmm. So the 3090 is so heavy that there's a risk that if not properly supported, the weight of it can actually cause it to kind of like bend over time and eventually damage the PCI Express slot that it's plugged into. So it actually comes with a like steel bar that you screw into the um, PCI Express slot below where you install the graphics card. And it, 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 it just adds extra support to the card, which I thought was pretty funny when I was putting together that computer. Cause I, I see this like steel bar thing in the case, the uh, video card box. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And then, you know, you read the instructions and go, oh, okay, yeah. I appreciate that your video, your 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 Bitcoin mining video card is seismically safe, like, and that it comes, like, it had, like, an earthquake retrofit kit inside of it. That's kind of cool. Although the thing, the thing that's not great now is it, it, it used to sit up on top of my desk for a while, but it, it got moved into a cabinet a while ago, and it's so, ventilation's not not the best so when it's running it it, the fans definitely have to work a little bit harder which is probably not great but uh most definitely not 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 whisper quiet let's say um i've been out of the game so long when you were talking about like how you how it plugs into the motherboard i was thinking oh yeah an agp card slot and how many how many decades old is that information 
Well, I'm trying to think. So we we, we had AGP. I, I think we just went straight to PCI Express after that, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think so. But then there's been there's been like multiple iterations of PCI Express. Like I think I forget which version mine is, but I think I think a version came out since then. I, I don't know. You have a sound blaster video card or audio card in there. <laughs> Do you, I, actually, this is a genuine question. Do PCs still have separate sound cards, or is that just always on the motherboard? I'm, I'm sure. Like I'm sure if you want to buy one, you can. But like my my um, desktop just has a, a built-in sound card. It's like when I when I plug headphones into it, there's just a there's a headphone jack, you know, on the front of my case, and that that all just wires directly into the the motherboard without any sort of separate card. Have, have you already started preparing for a midlife crisis where you are going to get into like like is it because if you have the gaming PC, I feel like you're like maybe one step away from those people that have like a sep like is it called a DAC? What's the thing where you have a separate thing that you plug fancy headphones into? And it, it's pretty amazing that we've we've been doing this show for like we're we're pushing a decade just about right. I don't like to think and, about it. Um, I'm still using the same USB Rode podcaster mic that that you know we got when we first started. I, I it's amazing I haven't gone down that rabbit hole. I'm surprised. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of the, like I mean, I, so what what have I gotten into? Like I I. Hmm. Well, I I I, I got super deep into espresso and photography. I think those are two vices or two two boring middle aged dude type hobbies. So, but I mean, but yeah, I feel like you are primed for either getting super into headphones because you already have the gaming computer, or you're going to be somebody who's like very into like like something related to meat. Oh, meat! Like you're gonna be very, um, you're gonna have like a very elaborate and tedious like barbecuing setup or something, you, like, or you're gonna be one of those people like who's like, oh yeah, I, I got this beef straight from Japan, and this is a thing of. I feel like you're gonna get into something that's like vaguely cooking adjacent, that that's super niche, because like that's just the thing of like once once you pass, again it's it's I forget it, we did, it doesn't have a name yet, but after my thing of when your body breaks down at twenty eight. Once you hit 30, like you kind of like guys kind of have to have like unnecessary, very hyper specific hobbies that gives them identity. Yeah, no, I I think I think you're right. Um, I guess mine over the past few years and currently is is like I'm probably filling the need that you're describing through smart home slash just general setup throughout my house but that's like something I, that you can't really that's not very showy eh, the, the sono stuff kind of is i mean i i like i literally have a sono speaker in just about every room in this oh, house wait, but, but, that, but i guess ridiculous the thing is you have to it has to be something that's very easy to demonstrate to somebody because you have to be proud of your accomplishments so does that maybe do so you do thing but, I but do you secretly do you secretly have like a uh, like a note on your phone that says like Here's all the stuff I got to demo to people when <laughs> I got to make no, sure I just, they I just, got, have, I just have it memorized. They have to hear the arc. They have to understand, like, I'm going to make it look seamless, but they have to see how they experience a hue scene that involves 32 different bulbs. They don't have to know, but I have to know that I feel good about it. Yeah, no, listen, the arc is, it's, it's Dolby Atmos. It's, it's, it's bouncing sound off the ceiling. Like you got it. You got to hear this. Uh, no, I don't, I don't really <laughs> like, do why, that. Why are you forcing me to listen to Sugar Ray? 
Um, no, the, the Hue lights actually are, that, that, that's a, the other example I was thinking of. I mean, <laughs> think, thinking about my Hue bulb setup and the bizarre hack that I have to use in order to get two bridges to work, even the fact that I need two bridges, that's, I feel like that's, that's kind of my, that's my thing at the moment, but you're probably right. There's, there's inevitably more to come. Mm. Oh, and also your children. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> right. They didn't even enter the conversation. Mm. Oh no! All right. So, <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> little we little, might, off, we little might, offline, offline joke. We might get back to that. Okay. Yeah. All right. We, we can um, bring that up. Okay. So, uh, studio display. Hmm. Wait. How do yeah. we get there? Which one are you? No, I don't. I don't know how we got off track. Oh, the graphics performance. Anyway, so that that's the thing. So apparently, like, so again, the uh, CPU performance. It's great. Good. It's it's everything people were expecting. Graphics performance. Like nobody's buying the Mac Studio for gaming, but uh, for certain type of 3D rendering stuff, like it, it's the PC with the the mega seismic graphics card is gonna still perform better. And Apple like doesn't need to be doing these Bezos charts, but it seems like kind of an unforced error. I don't know why they're doing that. All right, the studio display. So again, all the controversy and everything happened after we'd recorded the show. So I had lobbied and made, and made the case super hard during last week's episode that like, I'm probably going to buy it, but the studio display is kind of a shit deal. Like it, it's just, it's very overpriced for what it is up until three weeks ago for $200 more, you could have got like a whole fudging computer for, and along with the monitor. So now they sell a studio display for an entry level price of sixteen hundred dollars, two thousand if you want the good stand, and it's the exact same panel they've been shipping since like twenty fourteen. And, but the silver lining was that hey, it's got a, this super sick twelve megapixel webcam with center stage, and um, it's going to be great. So it's totally worth it. Well, it turns out uh, the webcam sucks, and everybody remarked upon it, except Jason still. Uh, Joanna Stern from the Wall Street Journal, uh, all the Verge people, uh, MKBHD, uh, like so many people were just like, yeah, like this webcam blows. Like it, it, um, it's super like just washed out, lacks any detail. Like it, if it's just not good. And then Apple told every reviewer, Hey, this is not performing as expected. We'll be releasing a software update, but Oh, and sorry, and even John Gruber mentioned that it sucked. So I feel like that counts for something. I don't know. Like he he is not somebody who rushes to try to find fault with Apple stuff, but even he was like, yeah, this in a well-lit room, this image quality is pretty pretty lousy. So, I mean, like that was kind of like the it being an all-in-one package that was just like, sure, it's it's an old screen, it doesn't have I have refresh rate or mini LED. It's not OLED. It's not any of this stuff. But hey, it's got it's got a good webcam and it's it's all pretty and it's made by Apple, so it's worth the price. I I don't I don't think the webcam being bad is what suddenly makes it absolutely not worth it. But it does kind of stink that it's it's just understood to be like objectively lousy. Yeah, there's there's two there's two things I've been thinking about 
you know, since, since we last talked and since these reviews have come out, I mean, the first thing is, is, is the webcam thing and just sort of thinking about Apple's webcams, not only on the studio display, but just in general, it, it's a, it's a weird weakness for them. Like you would think given their relative success with camera tech in the iPhone, that webcams would be something that they would similarly kind of knock out of the park. It, and it's, I mean, not only do they not do that, they don't really even make average webcams, which is, which is weird. It, it would be interesting to understand how, like how that's been allowed to happen. Um, cause I mean, it does seem like maybe part of the story is the decision to focus on something like center stage and using the ultra wide lens that that requires, as opposed to using, you know, a more fixed lens. Like that seems to be part of the story, but I, I don't even think that's the whole story. So that's, that's kind of, I don't know, that's sort of weird. Well, and, and then it, this, this, I mean, it's just a thing of like, you're not, um, like, space or depth constrained in this type of monitor so like i just i just don't get why not just put a good one in there like i mean i i understand the whole thing of like like i I live with it but like the the notch is kind of annoying on, on on my laptop but like you have space and depth constraints there on on a monitor you on like on a desktop monitor you don't so why why try to be too clever by a half with it just to put in a good one and that would shut up the people who are like, oh, yeah, it's kind of a bad deal. But like, because The Verge said like, hey, the speakers are actually for desktop speakers, like pretty good. But just why? I don't know. No. Um, and but also the, like the, the, on, on a desktop, like sorry, you don't need center stage. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're, you're totally right. Like it makes sense on the iPad, but n- not so much on the studio display, I don't think. So yeah, the, the webcam stuff is one thing. And then the second thing, which is more about the display itself, is that and I, the Verge article goes into this a little bit, which is choosing the studio display basically means that you have to have 5K resolution. Like that is your sort of number one requirement mm-hmm. because if you're okay with 4K, which we, we got into this a little bit last week. Like, I mean, I'm sitting in front of a, dell 27 inch 4k display right now and you know i'm generally pretty particular about any sort of monitor or tv and i i mean i I think this display looks fantastic so that like to me it it i guess i i'm not quite understanding the like the need to have 5k over 4k like i i get i get the 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 pixel perfect no scaling thing mm-hmm. but i guess like like i mean maybe you know the answer like does that does that really make a difference it does okay so this is the thing where and if you can put a link this is the thing i put in the the primary channel um it's um like in mkbhd's video review like the getting a 5k display it's it's just the one like so the scaling thing is weird like to get appropriate not so os 10 for its high dpi mode operates on like 2x scaling mode and then they give you the option to do i think it's called like more or less space where it kind of will then even further double the resolution and kind of scale it backwards 
but 4K at 27 inches just doesn't look right. You end up getting, I think, so 5K at 27 inches is 210 pixels per inch. And if you do that at 4K, the text looks kind of fuzzy and it's effectively, I think, like 155 pixels per inch. So it just, it just doesn't look right. And the, the way that he frames it is like he had a good NBA analogy, which is just kind of like in the NBA and many sports things, like they'll make a thing where they'll make up like just super funky, like stat, like combinations of like this player, God has played like 500 games with 30 points and whatever, whatever. And it's kind of what the Apple monitor is where like there are just so few five, uh, 5k displays, like of which there are actually like maybe three and the LG Ultrafine, which apparently has issues with like Wi-Fi reception and stuff like is one of them. Like there's just so few options there. And if you have that and it plays nice with Macs and it has Thunderbolt built into it and it's got a webcam and it has true tone and it has all this kind of stuff and appropriately scales, like the options for monitors that you have is very, very, very limited. And the only other alternative is you have like a million and one different like 4K PC monitors, but they just don't look right because the because like the effective pixels per inch is so low. Like I mean, I get it if you're one of those people that wants like is there a term for those like super weird ultra wide PC monitors? Like that are kind of like they're they're like they're curved for gaming. I don't think there's any sort of catchphrase. I think it's just cur yeah, curved curved monitor or ultra wide monitor. Yeah, like I mean, but like if if that's your thing, I mean, sure, but it just doesn't look right on a Mac. And also, like I mean, hell, like I think, I think this might have also been an in-person conversation. Like, but it just doesn't doesn't look right on a PC either. Like that, like everything about how Windows handles high DPI mode, or like, or what Apple generally calls Retina displays, is terrible. Like it just it doesn't ever look right. Either you have everything super small, and you get to see like 3,000 different cells in Excel at one time, or you can actually read it, but it all looks weird. So, I mean, like Apple does have good support for high DPI mode displays, but they're just have, like the market hasn't ever chosen to address that need, I guess, because everybody just bought that LG Ultrafine thing. I, I, yeah, I mean, I maybe it's just because I've never consistently sat in front of a 5k display but i mean i'm somebody who's lucky enough to have 2020 vision and i sit pretty close to my monitor and i don't know i think this dell 27 inch 4k display looks great and i you can't tell the pixels I, apart no not like not, like uh, on, like on this imac i've been sitting in front of for almost a decade not like not this specific one, but like yeah, it, it like it looks like paper. Like like I cannot see the individual pixels, and it, and it looks great. Whereas on other displays or la like uh, like I, I I forget like it was called like an HP Elite book. Like my my old work laptop used to allegedly had a high DPI mode display, but it it just always just looked wrong and bad. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. But know. I mean. I Anyway, like the but the studio display, like so again, it's in a weird class where it's kind of do you want a display that is made to play nice with Apple stuff and supports but kind it's, of? It's, Gruber's review makes it sound like it doesn't do that though. Like uh, it, it sounds part? like it has all the same kind of weird 
issues that, you know, which, you know, th this would be kind of, I think the main counter to my point of, Hey, just buy a laptop. And that, that is that plugging a laptop in and out of display just sometimes gets weird. Well, I mean, that, that's the reason why I don't want to go with uh, what you had been advocating for, which is, Hey, just have a laptop and just use the display. Cause I just don't like your windows not always being in the same place. What he had mentioned during his review, I think, was that sometimes you had to open the lid and close the lid on your laptop to get it to kind of acknowledge that the... Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm I'm sure that... Like, that is one thing I actually think can be fixed with a software update. The, oh, that'll, the, yeah, that'll, the, it'll be the same software update as the webcam. No, no, like, sure. the, the, the lousy-ass webcam will not be. But I feel like <laughs> that will be addressed. But, like, I just don't... That's That's why I want... A computer I can walk up to, hit the space bar, and everything's exactly the way I want. I don't, to, I don't have to dock it. I don't have to worry that sometimes my Lightroom window is too small or any of that kind of stuff. But, I mean, the the reviews, so again, everybody cited, except Jason, that the webcam stinks. Um, and just a lot of people made points about, like, is this answering the ultimate question of, like, is this monitor a good value? And... Pretty much everybody arrives at the answer, no. Again, I will strongly, strongly recommend people watch that 12-minute MKBHD review. Like, he he has some great points there. Because he's not somebody who's like, hey, like, he's not somebody who reflexively goes to, hey, PC stuff is cheaper. Because, of course, you can buy a $540 Dell monitor that's 27 inches and 4K, and it's close enough. Like, no, but, like, it's kind of, does it have a great webcam? No. Does it have mini LED or local dimming on the LCD to try to elevate or to make darker black levels? No, it doesn't. Does it have high refresh rate? No, it doesn't. Like it just doesn't have any of the stuff that makes it worth it. So then at that point, you're kind of looking for and hoping for it to be a perfect version of what of the weird mishmash of stuff that it's supposed to be, which is a 5k display that's made for a mac and plays nice with everything and has a great webcam and speakers and it kind of kind of fails at that too but like i mean i know I, I think it's i think it's sort of i think it's sort of simpler than that do, do you need 5k over 4k yes. and if the answer if the answer is yes then despite it not being awesome that this probably is still the best of a very limited category but if yeah, but if you if you don't need 5k then no you shouldn't buy this monitor i mean i think that's kind of that's that's sort of the the story i think yeah but i feel like a lot of people who are choosing the 4k don't understand why they need a 5k monitor yeah I or mean, maybe I... haven't haven't experienced it to the degree where they notice the differences of why weird scaling looks funky well i guess maybe sort of how like you've been avoiding running Lightroom on your your fancy new laptop maybe I should just continue to avoid 5k displays so that I, that I don't know what I'm missing oh or you could just buy the Simac for me hmm? solve a solve a problem for me it's only, yeah, make, it's only make, a year old make me a deal uh Mac me an offer has already set up a specific price if you can beat it by a dollar it's yours all right Wait, and you, you bought that iMac it was only a year ago. I bought it like a year and a half ago because remember when they yeah, they they refreshed because my problem was I kept running into my old one only had a like I think a I I cheaped out and I only got a five hundred gigabyte SSD and once I started getting really into photography that started being very very limiting 
and then they improved the, they're like, Hey, it's got the webcam from the iMac pro. And I was like, fine, let's do it. And then, yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think, I mean, I think the, the M one pro and max stuff was, that was a little bit of a surprise and came out a little bit quicker than expected. Oh, you betcha. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, well. Because I because I had been budgeting for a while to just get an iMac Pro whenever like there was like a Xeon chip refresh, but then uh, luckily Ooh, that would have been this, that would have been a bad investment. Not, a, been not a great purchase. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, so yeah, the studio display kind of sinks, but um, well, actually, let me just rip off the bandaid, or let me explain. So that box is not that does not include a studio display. Hmm. So okay. So I went I went on Craigslist and I went and bought a stranger's old iMac box. Cause here's what I think I'm going to do. So I ordered the Mac studio uh, yesterday. And the one I ordered was the M one ultra. Like I don't, I don't need any extras on the GPU. So I just got the 20, 20 processor core and whatever the, I think it's 48 cores, of GPU stuff. The, the, the broken one. Sure. I don't care. I, I, I actually, I actually don't really like when people refer to it that way, but again, it's, I mean, I don't know. If if somebody gave me a, wanted to give me an extra large pizza instead of a small and maybe one of the corners, I, this analogy is not. No, I, I, out, I follow. Um, yeah, people knew what I meant. Um, okay, so but yeah, so I got the 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 base M1 Ultra, sixty four gigs of RAM, and four terabytes of SSD, and that will be here in ten to twelve weeks. I was gonna say that's gonna that'll be here. Uh, what early twenty twenty four. So I got that, but um, I'm moving soon, and I don't really want to be toting the iMac around with me. And I started looking for what like what trade in offers there are. So what I think I'm going to do. So I so I went and got some went on Craigslist and tried to find somebody who had a still held uh, still kept their iMac box. Found somebody a couple towns over, and it was twenty five dollars, and that felt like a fair deal. Um. I think I'm going to maybe once somebody has a studio display in stock, even though I know I won't like that monitor, I will run the laptop as my sole computer while I'm waiting for the studio just Mm -hmm. to lighten what I would have to carry with the move. Yeah. 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 I think think that makes sense. So yeah, so that was a big old empty box. So that was, that was, that was a, a nothing burger as people would say, but got it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's fine. Like, I, I don't think there's a world where I would somehow convince myself that, hey, I only need a laptop. I don't think that's the case. But, yeah, I, I don't want to be convinced that the convenience of having only one computer is actually worthwhile because I know that won't be what I want. But, yeah, we'll see. Well, I mean, I mean, it, in, by some off chance, if it ends up being, then you'll you'll have the time to figure that out now. Yeah, but then I wouldn't know what it's like to have twenty cores. <laughs> um, so are are you with the studio display? Are you are you gonna get try to look for uh the face amount option? No, no, I'm just gonna get the whatever the the stupid four hundred dollar extra one is. Oh, uh, okay. Like I don't because the problem is I don't. I assume there are no elegant like one. I don't know if you've seen my desk. Like I have like I have like a nicest mar uh marble desk and like and I, and I and I like the way it looks I just don't think it would look right with a vase amount strapped to it mm, yeah like it already yeah. kind of looks funky with this uh 
microphone boom arm attached to it. But that is luckily like, <laughs> like most of the time is 90% obstructed by the iMac. So I just, when I, I would assume there's probably a lot more to a VASML given how much more weight it has to support. Yeah. So I just, I, I don't know. Like it, if I've never been a dual monitor person, if like getting double 27 inches plays was ever a thing, maybe, I mean, totally, but for a single monitor, like, no, I think this, this is a regular old thing and just getting the height adjustment thing just seems like it kind of makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The monitor thing is, that's tough. I mean, I guess. And like, there's, there's the variable of like, Hey, like, are the rumors actually true that there will be a, a nicer one in three to 12 months? And if there is, I mean, whatever, I'll, I'll eat the 33% loss and put it on Craigslist. Just, I mean, whatever. I don't know. Why, why would you want that nicer one though? Because it has black levels that aren't from technology from 2014 <laughs> for the for the HDR stuff. Yeah. No, like I I don't do HDR photography, like anything like that. Like I I'm not some. I generally try to think that I'm like a tasteful editor. I'm not somebody who like is like doing like gross oversaturated colors. But like I, I the black levels, there have been a lot of good examples in these reviews of kind of why. Oh yeah, like I mean, black is effectively really dark gray on this monitor. So, I don't know. And, and yeah, ProMotion does nothing for me. But the better color depth and um, black levels is very alluring. So do stores ever stock that studio display with the, the $400 extra stand? Uh, nobody nearby has had it, regardless of stand choice. I'm checking daily. So have, have you put in an order for one just to... No. Like I put an order for the computer because I assume I will get the monitor will be an option much sooner as like as an in-store pickup than it would be shipping. So, well, couldn't you just put a shipping order in and then cancel it if you find it early? Yeah, but I'm I'm just not concerned that it's gonna not be available within a couple of weeks. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's probably a sound strategy, but meh. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna take my chances. Um. Yeah, I mean that sounds like a sounds like a sweet setup. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Uh. And we're not gonna do the math on what the computer costs. Mm, we we did that offline. Offline. Yeah, I think this is what I was talking about. Although the two, you the had, two terabyte model. Not not to not to give away too much, but there 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 was some some brief crazy talk of like a a pro display XDR. <laughs> That's still maybe on the table. That's definitely in stock. Yeah, I'm still, I'm I'm sure there's no no trouble finding those. Um, and that gets an employer discount. So we'll see. Mm. It only knocks off ten percent, so that therefore it's only fifty five hundred dollars. I feel like there's almost never been a worse time to buy that display, though. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. All right, and then something I don't even remember the story at all. Uh, apparently, the matter standard, which is the thing that underlies thread, I don't even know got delayed do you again yeah but do you know anything about this uh well it's just unfortunately the thing that matter formerly known as chip has has been known for is it just gets perpetually delayed it was first supposed to come out in 2019 
and then got pushed to 2020 and then well you know 2020 was a bit of a bit of an odd year and so it got pushed to 2021 and that was less of an odd year but still not normal and then you know got pushed to middle of this year and then now it's being pushed back to i think the later part of this year so but do you remember what it was effectively supposed to do like is it supposed to replace zigbee is it supposed to make like you don't need hubs what what does it do well it's it's a it's a unifying smart home standard so the idea is that instead of having a you know hue specific bridge or a you know or having to have a you know lady in a can to access the amazon stuff etc um, or like a, a google home nest whatever hub thing or whatever that thing's called now like you could just have maybe a, a single hub that just connects to all that stuff got it okay but i mean we'll, we'll see because they gotta <laughs> they've actually got to ship this thing before uh we can say um what it does for sure and can you remind me, is Amazon on board? Yeah, so it, it's everybody, allegedly. It's Apple, it's <laughs> Samsung, it's Amazon, it's Google. But, you know, I I think this is a classic example of something where the devil's going to be in the details. And until we actually see what this does in person, it's it's very much TBD as to how much reality is going to match our expectations here. Mm-hmm. all right quick tour around stuff we didn't get to last week uh is more of a you thing uh microsoft flight simulator apparently microsoft has some type of like cloud gaming service where uh, you maybe get to avoid having to build a gaming pc with the with the crazy video card entirely because you can do flight simulator on an xbox Mm-hmm. Seems yeah. cool. Yeah, this is a um this is a really good use of cloud gaming. Um you know, think of like your, you know, Google Stadia's and that kind of, all, all this stuff that's kind of uh NVIDIA or GeForce Now, I think is what NVIDIA's is called. There's you know, there's a handful of them. Um and the limitation, of course, is is latency. And so if you're trying to play some first-person shooter or some type of other game that requires, you know, really kind of fast response times, the experience with something like this is is generally not the best. But for for a game like Flight Simulator, it it seems like that that type of experience would work really well on something like this. Well, yeah, because it makes total sense because it's something that requires a ton of processing power and, yeah, latency matters basically not at all. I mean, well, a little bit, but like it, it but the a tenth of a second isn't going to make or break whether your plane lands. But the ability of you to load fifty gigabytes of textures and plane parts and stuff is something that not everybody has. And to the and Flight Simulator has never been available not on PC before, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. No, this is the this is the first version that's been available on anything but PC. Yeah, be cool if it was available on a Mac. Or if you could somehow connect to this on a Mac using the cloud service. I think you can... Can't you access it just through a web browser? 
uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator is available on Xbox Series X colon S and PC with Xbox Game Pass, PC Game Pass, Windows 10 slash 11 and Steam and or now on Xbox One and lower spec PCs. Don't say Mac. Well, so it's Xbox One and on other supported devices. I, th- I thought the Xbox Cloud gaming thing was available pretty much everywhere. Like even the the big image at the top of the website shows like a laptop and a tablet. So if you, if you click through phone. on Xbox Game Pass, it says specifically Apple phones and tablets. Yeah, but the the experience there is um, Safari because there's yeah, that's been the whole thing with Apple not allowing a, a native app to do this. But, but I feel like they would it, say Mac if it was. I, I don't know. You know, you'd, well, you'd think if, if it ran in mobile Safari, why couldn't it run in Safari on a Mac? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, Who, interesting that it's it's um, 1080p at 30 frames. That's, uh, you know, that that's fine, I guess. But um, I'd be curious to... I'd be curious to know what that looks like. I mean, I... You know, I get spoiled with with my setup because I'm, you know, I'm running it at 4K and generally get more than 30 frames. Um, but yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it looks good. What would you get with like a pedestrian graphics card? Uh, well, it's I, you know, with with mine, I, I'm probably I probably have one of the few cards where you could realistically run it at. 4k and still get a you know a reasonable frame rate i think you know most would would bump it down to like 1440 and that would that makes a pretty big difference Mm -hmm. yeah it's i mean it's a a very it's a very demanding game that's kind of the way that that flight simulator has always been i mean when i when i was into it growing up i mean that was that was always the thing is like you know my my computers were never you know (laughs) i mean they, they ran it okay but um, there was always a, a challenge to to build out a PC that you know could could kind of support it running well while you know ramping up all the graphics settings. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, to rival the supercharger network, Starbucks has partnered with Volvo to build fifteen charging stations. <laughs> I just, I don't, I saw, I think I saw this past like on tech beam and I was like, oh, that's interesting. Like, okay. Like is, is charge point, like there's EV go and charge point. Are they the two biggest, mm-hmm. uh, like they're, they're pretty much the only other two that I those, see out and about. And there, there's that, like, there's a company called Volta that makes the, the oh, tends to be big in the Bay area, but they're mostly like shopping center. Um, I say they don't, they don't make fast chargers. I don't think, I think that's all just like level two stuff. Is that not what level two is? So level two is like what I have here at home. What is DC or... charging? Because Volta does have DC charging. And certain, okay. Like well, at least the... Yeah. D- DC charging is, is the fast charging stuff. Or at least at the, at the Santa, Trader Joe's Santa Cruz or Santa Cruz Trader Joe's, they do have a DC charging station that's run by them. Got it. But I don't know. When I saw this, I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. And then I read that it's... Uh, they're building charging stations in five states, and you meet, that makes you think, like, oh, hey, that's like that's a lot of stuff. Uh, fi- you can charge sixty cars with that six zero f- fifteen stations. Like that's as much as I profoundly 
dislike almost everything Tesla. You, you've been talking about this for years. Please, please, please don't gloat too much. But like, it's just the, the supercharger thing is just vastly underrated as a competitive advantage, even though people like ostensibly do consider it. But the whole thing, again, keep coming back to MKBHD. They did the thing that we talked about a few months ago where they did the the race uh, um, to see what the charging experience was from New Jersey to Pennsylvania and back in uh, like a standard Audi Q5 with a gas engine, a uh, Ford Mach-E, and a Tesla Model S. And just kind of saw what... And, and the, the Mach-E had a, had a really lousy time because of the whole Ford Pass slash Electrify America charging station network was, was, was a is a garbage fire so you know the supercharger network is still a very strong competitive advantage yeah it's going to be interesting to see so tesla has been been saying for a while now that they're going to open the supercharger network up to other evs and so it'll be be interesting to see how that how that kind of shakes out and one and when that ends up happening i mean they have said it's going to happen this year but <laughs> We know what this year means with Tesla, so um. yeah. Thought the Roadster was always supposed to be out. <laughs> I do like on this uh, Verge Volvo article. Actually, it's actually even less than that. The ChargePoint press release says as many as fifteen locations. So th- these are the optimistic numbers. Yeah, <sighs> I mean it's it's anyway. You know, I mean, listen. Like, I think most people most of the time don't rely on on these types of chargers to you know get around in their ev i mean i very seldom use superchargers but you know have been on you know a handful of road trips especially now in the last year where i have been using them and yeah i I could see how if i had any other ev that would just not be a great experience whereas i mean I i think the main point i've been making with the supercharger network since you know using it more the last year is you just the best thing you can say about it is you just don't think about it mm-hmm. it's just kind of you just you just go and you just you, you always know that you're gonna you know be close to one can you remind me on the tesla do you have to do anything to identify it or do you basically just plug in and the, the supercharger knows what your car is and how to bill you and there's there's no logging in that's right yeah you have a yeah, you just have a credit cool. card on file and it, yeah it just it just bills you yeah, and then going back to this Verge article, I I I forgot about the capex part of this, where allegedly the, spokes, the spokesperson for ChargePoint says DC fast chargers, which can charge, blah, 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 are amongst the most expensive type of EV chargers to install. A public level two charger, which comprises the vast majority of ChargePoint stations in the U.S., might cost two thousand dollars, but a DC fast charger can cost between a hundred and two hundred and fifty thousand. That's madness. Well, we know what's amazing too with Tesla is is not only the supercharger network as it exists currently, but the rate at which it's growing. Like the, there's, I've seen a few, a handful of stories, you know, recently where, you know, you you see these these you know twenty stall supercharger stations like literally get built in like a couple of weeks, <laughs> and they're just like they're just there now and they're ready to go. Like it's just. Tesla just has that figured out in a way that nobody's even started to come close to. Um, and it, it's, it, it's interesting because it's, 
I mean, it's just not really a problem for any of the other manufacturers in the U.S. because nobody else is selling EVs at volume yet. But, you know, if if companies like Ford start to hit some of the EV delivery numbers they're forecasting over the next couple of years, which is a big if, I mean, I'll believe it when I see it, but assuming that they do, it's going to be a lot of stories of people saying like, yeah, I, I, I really can't can't go on road trips comfortably with this thing unless i don't know unless tesla does actually open up the supercharger network and that ends up being a a decent experience for non-tesla owners uh okay i feel like tesla owners probably wouldn't be very welcoming they well they won't be in the sense that one of the problems with the supercharger network is i mean we've been saying how much larger it is than every other network and how it's everywhere. But the problem is they still fill up, especially on popular routes. I mean, you, 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 you hear, you see stories all the time of people waiting, you know, an hour plus for, for a supercharger. Like they coming home from Thanksgiving last year, we, we kind of planned our trip, not, not around superchargers, but just around a, a general desire not to get stuck in traffic. And, so we went up and down to Southern California kind of on off days, but coming back, one of the superchargers we stopped at, they weren't, they weren't actively using it because we got there at a slow time, but they had this whole elaborate setup with a million cones to basically like line up Tesla's waiting for a supercharger to open up, which, you know, <laughs> it was like a Tesla vaccination clinic. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's already a bit of a capacity issue with the supercharger network. And so that's the part of it to me that I'd have the most questions about opening it up to other manufacturers, but we'll see. Yeah. All right. And then not what's one that's not Tesla. Amazon has closed all of their non-grocery retail concepts. So Amazon has had kind of a couple of weird, not, not necessarily false starts, but they've they've tried different retail experiments. So they first, I think I, you might have been you might have been both of them. I know we've visited a Amazon bookstore uh, in the past, but they also had, and there was there's one locally in Santana Row in San Jose, and. In both Berkeley and Corte Madera, they had um, the Amazon four-star concept where everything in the store is stuff that's rated four or more stars on Amazon. Very clever. Um, but yeah, as of March 2nd, uh, with one day's notice, they laid off everybody that works there and closed all 68 of those uh, concept stores within the United States. I mean... I never really understood or liked them. Like I, I, I've as good because I'm somebody who kind of likes going into and seeing kind of what's happening in, in like when an internet company tries to become a brick and mortar company. Like, so I, I will always go into whatever DTC style store. The Amazon bookstore concept made more sense, even though it was probably going to be less profitable than an Amazon four star because it just it, it had more focus. Like Amazon four star locations were so weird and scattershot, where they just had only popular books. Like like I'm I'm a big book like bookstore bookstore fan. Like I like seeing the breadth and like 
recommendations of local staff members and stuff like that of actual books. But like, I mean, with an Amazon four star, like they're only going to stock the stuff that is at the top of the charts. So you can have a bunch of like bullshit Malcolm Gladwell, like pop side books and like Michelle Obama's biography and like, like a, a coffee table and like, in like uh, the latest Joanna Gaines book, like it's going to be the stuff that's at the top of the charts. Like it's not going to have a big selection and then it's all just surrounded by like Instapots and like dog toys. Like it, it just had no focus and made no sense. But I mean, I don't know. The one in Corner Madera was fairly busy, but yeah, apparently Amazon uh, was completely over this experiment and just uh, closed all of it. Yeah, I mean, not to maybe jump to the next topic accidentally but it, it seems like amazon's retail strategy now is is being consolidated into whole foods because i mean all, yeah. all this other stuff was pre whole foods acquisition right yeah but they they kind of they, they they scaled up and expanded right, the, the four right, star concept the... even afterward which kind of if you thought they were going to switch that up maybe they wouldn't have done that because the Berkeley one and the Cordomero one are within the, like those launched like right. Like the Whole Foods acquisition was 2018, I think. 2017, I think. Yeah. And those other two stores were late 2019, 2020 openings. So, mm. I mean, I don't know, but like, so yeah, going into the other part of it, which is that uh, the Times had a story about the, what they call it, the Amazonification of Whole Foods. And this actually, I would take issue with. So, so there's an it, what's what's the it's in New York. Well, no, oh, sorry, in Washington, 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 or DC. Well, with Amazon, I would assume Washington, Washington, but I actually think this one might be DC. Mm-hmm. Google Glover Park. Okay, this is this is DC. Yeah. So yeah, so they made a because that's that's been the thing where. Amazon's own Whole Foods for about four years now, and very little has changed about Whole Foods except for the fact that they carry <laughs> carry fewer uh, flavors of kettle chips. They've 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 overall they've they've reduced the number of SKUs and and and, and number of products that they carry locally. Now the the people at the checkout are now forced to ask you for your uh Amazon barcode but otherwise the, the the product in the shopping experience is main is maintained fairly consistently with all with what it always was but apparently at this one location they have kind of uh employed the technology that they are using at Amazon Go locations mm. like it's basically the first whole foods that has the just walkout technology but, and this is the confusing part, because in Washington State, and also one random city in Southern California that I don't remember, they have a just walkout version of what's called an Amazon Fresh store. So that's the other part where I just don't necessarily understand that strategy. Because it feels like Whole Foods has enough brand cachet and, and, and like influence to make you want to put it all under that if you spent that much money buying them i would suspect that the amazon i I would suspect the thinking is amazon wants to ensure that before rolling this tech into whole foods more broadly that they really get it right 
because you know whole foods for their retail strategy is is, is the, clearly what their you know their their biggest focus right and their their most important retail presence so the the amazon fresh experience is probably a way to basically just test out that the Amazon Go just walk out tech can actually scale up successfully. And then assuming that those stores work out, that's where then maybe you could start to do things like this, you know, Glover Park, Whole Foods and and slowly start to roll it roll it into those stores. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- like, that- like if, if there's if there's a million Amazon Fresh stores that pop up, I agree that would be kind of weird. But I I assume that the ones that are there now are just basically like like Whole Foods beta stores. Yeah, yeah. I mean that 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 makes sense. But I I guess like then then when do they scale this up? Because like I I it just doesn't look like there's been any substantive changes to kind of reach that goal of where it feels like Amazon's getting anything from the Whole Foods acquisition? Because, like, Whole Foods itself has gotten worse because of the Amazon stuff. Like, I just kind of don't like savings. Like, because I'm I'm not somebody who does exclusively curbside. I still do like going into grocery stores. And, like, other than the fact that you now have to, like, present a barcode to get any discounts at Whole Foods and the fact that they carry less stuff now and there's Amazon lockers at the Whole Foods and they have Echo devices for sale like nothing's really changed so I guess like I just don't this far into the acquisition the fact that Amazon keeps demonstrating that they do have some affinity towards being having a physical presence I just I'm not really sure I'm seeing it because the friction of making purchases and like the whole the whole just walk out thing like is cool and like i i but that feels like it makes more sense at an amazon go location like having like something in urban city centers that you can just tag in and buy a sandwich buy a spindrift and be on your way makes more sense and it's probably an order of magnitude less complex than having to do that with an entire 12,000 square foot whole foods location but like I, I, I just I don't know I just I'm not connecting the dots on what Amazon's getting out of this, or what impact they're making in in this realm because they, I don't know like like shopping for groceries on Amazon I've only done it once and it's basically just like this weird, you might as well be at WholeFoods.com and I don't I I just don't get it. Well, I mean a few points. I mean we we do our weekly grocery shopping online from whole foods every single week and just do the curbside thing and i i think it's tremendous but are you, only, sho- are you shopping at amazon.com or whole Foods? like wh- where does this the the order creation happen it, it, within the amazon app on your phone okay it's basically just like whole foods is like a different section within the app are you able to collaborate like are you able to like have like or do you have like can you have a shared cart with uh your spouse and like you both add stuff to it or does one person have to do the ordering we we, ha- we have like the whole amazon family sharing thing enabled but I, i've never tried doing anything like that no okay um then I, yeah I, I think that experience is 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 really nice um the i guess the other couple of points are i the whole foods thing 
for Amazon, I think has always been a really long term play. So I, I don't think it's clear to anyone on the outside exactly what that entire strategy is because it's it's still kind of in progress, as evidenced by things like them closing down a bunch of their other retail operations and kind of doing these weird experimental Amazon Fresh stores, etc. But then I think the other thing that that they are likely already receiving a huge benefit from is is data. I assume that but for data a data driven company, well, I, I you know I I can't even pretend to understand all the areas of focus that Amazon has on data, but I, I assume that for a for a data focused company that Whole Foods probably provides a. a ton of interesting stuff i mean my pushback would be that like there's there's the npd group and there's so like your data is for sale with everybody like safeway and everybody else is already selling like that's the whole reason loyalty programs exist where you have to type in your phone number every time you, you go shopping like that they could get that data cheaper from somebody else like i i guess sorry make your final point and then i or like what you were about to say and then i just have one question about like no that, that, that was it i mean i guess like Go to 10 years down the road. What do you think Amazon thinks Whole Foods is supposed to look like? Is it still a food? Like, is it is it a third, like, consumer electronics? Like, what what does Whole Foods look like? Because like, they obviously, like, have abandoned every other version of their brick-and-mortar ambitions. Like, what what does it look like? Is it just, is it just Whole Foods... But everything happens in like a QR code or like that you like they have that whole like pay with your palm thing as well. But like what what does it look like? I mean, I, I there's not much creativity in this guess. It's kind of just what seems to me like the most logical thing, which would just be that over time, all of these whole foods get converted into having the just walk out tech. And they probably start carrying more amazon stuff echoes and kindles and all that so you basically sort of combine some of what you were selling in these other stores and you bring in the technology that you were experimenting with in some of these other stores and you consolidate them all into whole foods i mean that would be my that would be my guess but then but how does a, that help a... Amazon make money? <laughs> I guess it's like historically, like grocery has been a very low margin business. Well, but isn't isn't the thing too that like the just walk out tech is something that isn't it sort of like potentially like the next AWS play where it's something that Amazon builds for themselves, but then gets licensed out to, you know, everybody else? Maybe, but it's just like I have to imagine it's just absurdly costly. Just because of how many sensors and cameras and stuff you need, like, cause I, you know, like, I, there was some like Fast Company article or something where they had a a good summary on this, but like, that's why Amazon Go stores are small. Is just like it, it is hard to scale that up. Like, I mean, I don't know, but like, I just, I'm skeptical. Like, I'm not as worried that like Whole Foods is got ruined slash is going to get ruined for something that Amazon's going to get bored with in five years. And they're almost there. I don't know. I don't know. They 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 still seem like they're pretty invested, but but yeah. I mean, you never you never know with these big big tech companies. That's true. No. The one thing they could do day one is 
bring back the variety of kettle chips. It's really scaled way back down. They do continue to carry the habanero lime ones, but that's pretty much the only good thing I have to say. All right, got a couple of quickies and then we're out of here. So did not purchase a studio display. Uh, this is an old article, right? Yeah, this this happened late last year. But so the new food critic for the San Francisco Chronicle, Solejo, had a list of the top bagels in the Bay Area. And the only reason I bring this up, because I don't think this ever made it on the show, but uh, Boy Chick Bagels in on the Oakland-Berkeley border has fantastic bagels. I've never been to New York as an adult. I don't know what a New York bagel is supposed to taste like, but I do like bagels. Sesame seed bagels are the correct bagel to order, and they have great bagels. That is all I have to say. Yeah, I'm very intrigued to check this out. And this um, Chronicle article that'll, that we'll put in the notes, good, um, good, good, um, I don't, what, what do you call this? Visual it's journalism? Yeah. Yeah, good good layout. Pretty photography. It's it's mm-hmm. good, good color coding. It's very easy to read. You, you, can, you can kind of filter based on, you know, if you want somewhere that you can do takeout from. Like, yeah, it's, it's nicely done. Yeah, and then uh, sometimes friend of the show, Dave Pell uh, in Marin has recommended in the past Barton's Bagels, and I can affirm that they're pretty all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, it's definitely not a grocery store bagel. All right. Um, LG, this doesn't really matter, but I just want to point out to the fact that, so you can put a link in the show notes to this LG article on The Verge. I would maybe it's because I have a cozy apartment, but a 97 inch OLED TV could basically cover an entire wall of my apartment, and that's kind of an alluring fantasy. <laughs> that's that, that'd be that'd be quite a television set. Um, do you do can, can you find a way to talk about this that makes sense on the show or no? Uh, the your timer what? idea. Oh, uh, if yeah, if, I don't know if yeah, if you have some kind of some kind of, I don't really, I don't really that. have a good transition. So anyway, so we we had an off we had an offline offline discussion recently, where we caught up on a couple things. But you have some new thought technology or way to um to trick <laughs> you <laughs> to convince somebody. So there there was a, actually I have a tech angle to this, and this this is how I framed it earlier. Do you remember when Windows Seven came out? There was uh, an ad campaign called Windows Seven was my idea. I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. it was a whole thing of where a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, uh, eager-eyed I forget what the term, like but like very happy people are talking to the camera and explaining like, oh, I wish Windows did this. And I remember one like there was one ad vividly that I remember that still sticks with me, where somebody was like, oh, I wish you could just move a window to the side and then it just snaps together like snap, and then and then the, they show that. Windows 7 had this new Windows management feature where you can kind of like drag a menu. I know that's a uh, Mac technology, but like you drag the menu bar to the top and just goes full screen or you can go half screen. And the tagline on all the articles is Windows 7 is my idea. Anyway, we were talking about this and then you found a way to uh, make your um, two-year-old housemate think that every decision she doesn't want to make is her idea. I don't know. Can you explain this? 
Well, so I to to be clear, I I in no way can can take credit for this. This is entirely um, the lady friends doing and her her research. I think she found this through some sort of parenting website or something that she follows. But um, yeah, the idea is that the the new housemate has reached um, what is affectionately called the the terrible twos, mm-hmm. which uh, has has many sort of. Uh, unique features about it one of which is um just never really wanting to be told what to do and so (laughs) um this is kind of the way i explained it to you like even when you're telling her hey it's it's time to do something that you enjoy so hey it's time to go to the park let's say which has become one of her favorite places or you know hey it's it's time for breakfast and i've prepared like all your favorite stuff it, it it it's well so it, it in in um my daughter's case in particular the the immediate response basically no matter what you're telling her to do is oh no oh no um and you know, it's, it, and if you if you continue to insist that no no it's 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 time to do this other thing that that's then often preceded by crying and <laughs> I was gonna say much much <laughs> angrier oh no yeah, and it's so much angrier Onos and, and the very kind of stereotypical, you know, terrible twos tantrum thing. Um the yeah, the the collapsing onto the floor, you know, the, that that whole thing. Um <laughs> and so so the 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 trick that um the lady friend introduced me to and which which we've been using for for a little while now is you don't say, you know, okay, it's it's time it's time for breakfast. Instead, you say, okay, so we're going we're going to set a 1-minute timer and in 1 minute it's going to be time to eat breakfast. And, you know, we we usually, you know, we'll have my daughter come over to the phone, she presses, you know, the big green start button on the iOS clock app. Timer goes and then in a minute the, you know, a little alarm jingle goes off. And then she'll come over, stop the timer usually, and then she's fine. Then she'll go do whatever it is she's been asked to do. And it it works, I'd say, probably, I'd say, honestly, probably like 90% of the time. There's every once in a while it doesn't doesn't take, but um, usually it does. And it's, 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 it's kind of amusing, even, even after having been using it for a little while now. So... Again, as so I, I, I told I told the lady friend your your phrase, and she she liked that. Was it something about like she feels like she's a stakeholder? Well, that, that's exactly what I was gonna like say. That. It's like no, like that's that's totally it. It's like you have to get somebody's buy in, and they have to have some skin in the game. So now that she's a stakeholder in this decision, <laughs> and she's just not a passive party being told what to do, that's kind of ingenious. Mm-hmm. But also, like, so I the one part about this that maybe I I'm misremembering. Is that I thought this was to get her like, hey, like we're gonna make a decision on what we're gonna do, and you guys were gonna give her the hard sell. Like you guys weren't explain like, nah, actually we're probably doing this one thing. But I did not know that just generically just saying, hey, we're doing something in one minute counted. I thought it was all. I thought there always had to be a decision that she thought she was now the decider on. So so I, you're so you're not entirely wrong. So the 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 concept of giving them a decision instead of t- 
telling them that that's a trick that we use as well. So a good example of that is um, like when it comes time to put on an outfit for the day, it's, you know, hey, here, <laughs> the here are these no outfit, <laughs> right? Here are these two outfits. Which one would you like to wear? Or, you know, hey, it's it's time to, to wind down for the night, start getting ready for bed. Like, here's here's two books. Which one would you like to read? Like so, we we definitely do a lot of that as okay, well. This, but it's you're, slightly you're guiding, thing. right? Mm-hmm. I, but like the same kind of idea, <laughs> you know, making her feel like yeah, she's she's part of part of the decision making process, a stakeholder, if you will. <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I I feel like if you said like, hey, do you want to go to bed or do you want to go sleep? When I, like they're kind of the same thing, but again, she has a choice. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Uh, well. You guys can make your own parenting class and or actually, yeah, you guys should double make a podcast. And then when the baby's <laughs> four, you can have her listen to that podcast and fall asleep to it. There you go. Just like her dad. All right. Oh, no, I meant you and your wife, not you and the, oh God, you, a, a, a podcast with a four-year-old. <laughs> um, I would not subscribe. I'm sorry. No, no. Um, I, I don't, I probably don't think podcasts are popular with toddlers. Uh, pro- probably not. Probably not so much. No. No. All right. Um, I think the rest of this can be let go until next week. All right. Do you have a chef special? I do. I've got a um a coffee one for you actually. Ooh. So I actually kind of tee this up before sending you the link. So the the lady friend got. Um, something through work. It was some some sort of like free snack box thing as as a as a thank you for something. I think it was, and um, it included you know a variety of different like little snacks and stuff, and it included um a couple kind of small bags of coffee, and you know had basically like no expectations for them or anything, but. Um, it came time to, you know, fill up the, the bean hopper on the, on the Breville, um, a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, oh yeah, we, we have those couple bags of, um, coffee. I'll, I'll throw one of those in there. And this one, which I'll send you the link to is, is kind of great is, is of, of the, you know, I haven't tried a, like a million different kinds of beans in that espresso machine, but I've tried, you know, a decent number. And I, I, I kind of think this is like my new favorite. And the, the, the funny thing was I had never heard of this roastery, didn't know anything about it. So I thought, well, the Jesus is probably like some super boutique, expensive, hard to find thing. But I Google searched it and like the first link that came up was like a target link. Um, so it's, it's readily available. And the link I sent you is just from the, the groundwork, which is the roastery, just their website. And you know, a, a 12 ounce bag is like 16 bucks. So very reasonably priced and very, very good. I, so sorry, this is sold at local target stores. Uh, I, I, I actually don't recall if maybe maybe it was shipping only. I, I don't I don't remember exactly am, what it was. We we've talked in the past about the tasting notes on coffee mostly being bullshit, but I'm very intrigued by toasted marshmallow and summer toasted marshmallow anything. Even though I'm sure it doesn't taste at all like that, that's tempting. So 
I, I would I would generally say that description, like <laughs> all other descriptions on it's wine and coffee, is is meaningless. However, what I do think that maybe they're trying to touch on with the toasted marshmallow is that it it does have a very pleasant sweetness to it, and not I don't know, hard to describe, just like not not sugary or anything, but just a yeah, just a pleasant sweetness to it. I guess is the best best way to say it. Yeah, it, it it's it's really good. Okay, and sixteen dollars for a twelve for three quarters of a pound. It's not terrible. Not 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 bad. Yeah, no, I mean not. Yeah, I mean I've you know as I've tried a handful of of beans over the last couple of years have have definitely spent more than that. So, um, yeah, seemed like a a pretty reasonable deal to me. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's um it's good stuff. Yeah. Well, I don't really have one this week, but there's one thing that I will throw out there, which I've been meaning to talk about. Um, this, this is not anything exciting. Uh, I got I I changed my mouse setup where I I haven't had a a Wacom tablet in a very long time, but I I found a good sale on one recently, and that kind of became my mouse pad, and. I was looking for something to go on my desk as a like a, a long wrist pad that would wait a wait a, a Wacom tablet is your is wait your mouse pad? I'll send you a picture after we're done. But basically wait. I mean I have my uh I have so I have my Microsoft sculpt ergonomic keyboard that I've had forever. And then I have a Logitech MX Ergo mouse, which is a trackball. So basically, I guess my my computer security, my like IT policy is to make a computer that's so hard for any stranger to use so that they don't want to use it. Um, but then beneath that, I have a, uh, what's it called? Waco, uh, Wacom Intuos Pro medium size tablet for photo editing. Um, and I just take the trackball off of it whenever I want to use it. But the problem but you, with- But you can use it as a- Oh, because well, because the trackball track... doesn't move. Oh, oh, oh. Hmm. okay. Yeah, still, it seems kind of seems weird to have something just perpetually on top of your Wacom tablet. Yeah, but... it's a two hundred eighty dollars mouse pad. We won't talk about that. <laughs> um, but the, but the problem was that now my like input peripheral space is now like wider than it used to be. I couldn't find anything that like because I used to have a mouse pad that had like an integrated kind of like little gel wrist thingy. Anyway, this three at the Amazon product link says 3M gel wrist rest for standing desks wrap around desk edge for comfort. Something, something, something. <laughs> Great for desks with sharp edges. Mine kind of does. Um, yeah, it's 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 pretty good. As we were talking about before the show started, I think you, you have maybe uh, eased off the ergonomics part of your setup. I think you you do have like a fancy monitor riser, right? Yeah, I even I got rid of that too um no my my ergo setup these days is not not great okay so by 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 37 your your wrists are just gonna be like cement mixers (laughs) yeah it's possible yeah so anyway but this this is nice it's reasonably it's not like because wrist wrist rests can sometimes be like super mushy and like a beanbag chair this one's not it's nice and it's just it's just more comfortable and it's it's fine i keep toying with the idea of a standing desk, but I kind of don't want, like, I just, I feel like it's one of those things where 
it's compelling and interesting, but it would just like a treadmill. It would just collect dust in the corner and just, it just would never actually get used. Yeah, I, I would, I would really like, I mean, I, I definitely miss my standing desk, um, in the office. It, it's, it's really nice, especially, I mean, you know, we, we had the, you know, pretty nice ones that are all like, you know, electronic and can mm-hmm. like, you know, have, save your exact, you know, height and everything. So those, those are, those are pretty nice. I, I, I would, I would like to have something like that, but. Oh, yeah. Well. So anyway, this is, this is neat, but otherwise, yeah, very, very colossally, monumentally expensive mouse pad. 